Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we take a look back at Frank Clark's first press conference during training camp. Also, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the top 10 players to keep an eye on during training camp. But first, we start off as always with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles. What are your thoughts on Bashad Breeland expected to be suspended to begin the season? It's really going to test the Chiefs cornerback depth early on. And I think that's a good thing. Obviously, Traverius Ward is going to have to step up a little bit. He's going to have some pressure on his shoulders to be that lockdown cover guy for Kansas City while Breeland is on the sidelines. Now, Ward spoke to us uh, just the other day. Uh, and media availability, and he's clearly as motivated as ever to get better here in his third year. And uh, it's just his second season as a starter, so there's still, like, some room for growth. He also had LASIK surgery to fix some eyesight issues this offseason, so I think that it's not unrealistic to see a better Charvarius Ward, even in this, like, weird, funky offseason that we're having. So so he should be an interesting guy to keep an eye on because he's going to be expected to step up and really come in and cover those number one guys. But then I think Rashad Fenton is another guy that you have to look at for Kansas City because he quietly had a very good rookie season and was perhaps the most dominant cover corner the Chiefs had last season. Now, he almost he only uh, excuse me, he only saw limited snaps. But, I mean, I think I saw a stat from Pro Football Focus recently that he had a sub-50 passer rating allowed from week 11. I think it was week 11 through the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just, that's really dominant. And even if he's only on on the field for limited snaps and maybe he's facing off against, you know, third or fourth receiver, not the top guy, but still, I mean, that's for, for... a late round rookie for a day three rookie, that is really impressive. So I'm interested to see his growth and how he's able to maybe step in and take a bigger role, possibly even playing opposite uh, Charvarius Ward on the outside there to start the season. I think he's probably the most veteran guy and the guy that they're looking at to step in opposite Charvarius Ward. Then, of course, you have the guys like uh, Legereus Sneed, rookie cornerback, uh, a fourth round draft pick. And then uh, Antonio Hamilton, a free agent signing, who, I mean, they're they're virtual unknowns right now. We, we just don't know what they're capable of, and we're not going to see any of that because there's no, there's no preseason. But they could potentially see some action, but it's just going to be hard for them to earn the trust of the coaching staff, of, you know, coaches that they're working with for the first time when you don't have that preseason action to kind of come in and prove yourself. 
yeah, you're going to have walkthroughs and one-on-one drills and impressive moments, but it's just not the same thing as going up against an opponent and seeing that live action. So I think that you have Fenton or even someone like Alex Brown, who has the benefit of being on the roster towards the end of last season, being on the practice squad and just like working with the coaches before. Those are guys that I'm looking at to maybe work in opposite Charvarius Ward early on. And then guys like Sneed and Hamilton are guys that could possibly be brought up kind of as we go on. Now, I'm not including Bo Pete Keys because he's still on uh, the uh, the non-football injury list. So if he comes off of that, he might be in that that category as well. But for now, uh, he's he's sidelined with uh, with some injury that he's dealing with there. Are there any position battles that have caught your attention from camp? So the most obvious battle is probably the left and right guard spots. Every indication that we've heard from Andy Reid, also Mitchell Schwartz and and Eric Fisher, the right and left tackle, it, it seems to be that they want a veteran guy starting at those two positions. So you have Kalichi Osomali, uh, who's been starting at, at left guard since the 2013 postseason. You don't move someone with that type of experience anywhere else. So I expect that he's going to play in that spot and win the starting job there kind of from the get-go. Then I think the interesting battle will kind of happen on the right side between Andrew Wiley and Mike Remmers. I keep jumping back and forth between those two guys, and I think there's a good argument for either of them to win the job. Obviously, Andrew Wiley, he's a guy who had a really strong first season in Kansas City, and then injuries this past year kind of really stunted his growth, so to speak. And Mike Remmers, you have a veteran free agent coming in who has really played on the right side of the line his entire career, Mostly at right tackle, but he did have a full season at right guard in 2018 with the Minnesota Vikings. And he actually graded out better than Laurent Duvernay-Tardif graded out last season, uh, the whole season, including through the postseason. So I, I think that that either of those guys could really fill in there. And it, it's going to end up coming down to probably a coin flip. Um it might end up being Wiley simply because there's that familiarity and he's played there before. Because you remember in that first season, he filled in for Laurent Duvernay-Tardif when he injured uh, his ankle, when he had that bad ankle injury. So I think he could kind of come in and fill in there. But that one's one that's that people are going to be paying the most attention to because it's really they're the two starting positions that are up for grabs. And next, I, I think... This spot is really interesting. It's the defensive end position. Obviously, you have one starter in Frank Clark, but who's going to be opposite Clark? Remember, Alex Okafor and Breland Speaks split time during the 2019 preseason and the 2019 training camp period. But Speaks was injured, and then that kind of thrust Okafor into that full time. So... Now that Speaks is healthy, could he potentially win the job during this camp? And then where does Tano Passanio fit in during his fourth season? I mean, down the stretch, he kind of rotated in and out there um, with Terrell Suggs. 
But then you have guys like Taco Charlton, who was brought in during free agency, and Mike Dana, who was drafted in the, the fifth round of the 2020 NFL draft. I mean, this is quietly a really competitive group in Kansas City. And I think how it plays out is going to be really fascinating to watch because there's really any number of different possibilities and choices that the Chiefs are going to have to make here. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Brett Veach to decide because he's not going to have a lot to go on. He's going to have the reports he gets from the coaching staff, from his scouts, from his own eyes, what he sees when he's out there at camp and watching. But he's not going to have the game film to kind of come back to and be like, okay, well, you know, if we have a a trouble deciding between these two guys, let's turn on the tape. He's not going to have that. So it's really going to be interesting to to see how how that plays out and who they decide to go with, even beyond just the starters, including the depth as well. And I think one more spot that I'll I'll kind of throw out there for you is the linebacker position. Now, the th- the first three spots pretty much secure. Bet on it: Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson, Willie Gay Jr. But after that, it's a real rodeo. You got Ben Neiman, who I think is probably the the number four guy because he's one of the best special teams players in Kansas City. But that number five spot, maybe, that might be up for grabs. Someone could potentially, potentially uh, fight Ben Neiman for that number four spot. He was used a little bit in sub packages in 2019. But after Neiman, you've got Dorian O'Daniel, who's going to need to fight like hell to keep his job. Uh, Especially over someone like Darius Harris, who was really talked up by Brett Veach last year. And I spent the, the entire season injured. Didn't have any play time. But Brett Brett Veach basically said if this guy wasn't injured, he would have been drafted. And he also said that he's not just someone who's going to be on the team. Like, this is a guy who's a future starter. So if he lives up to that description by Brett Veach, I mean, it's hard to see how, how do you not keep that guy on the team. And then you have a guy like Omari Cobb, this undrafted free agent uh, out of Marshall, out of the Thundering Herd, who... I mean, he's a really talented athlete. He's a guy that that I compare to the I called him the the conference USA version of Isaiah Simmons. So really, I think that's going to be another fun one to watch for for Chiefs fans as things kind of progress throughout training camp. Outside of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which running back do you expect to help fill the void left by Damian Williams opting out? I think that Darrell Williams will be the guy to shift into the number two role immediately, mainly because he's been with the Chiefs the longest and was the number three running back last year behind Damian and Shady before getting injured. He's a guy who's going to know the protection calls and he's going to have the trust of the coaching staff right away. Now, he, he's versatile, too. He's a guy who can run between the tackles, but also catch a pass out of the backfield. He's got a little wiggle to his game. It also doesn't hurt that he's a guy who Clyde Edwards-Hilaire considers a mentor all the way back to their days at LSU. So that that's my bet for the number two job in Kansas City. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the number one guy, but then... After Durrell, I I think it's really going to be a battle for the change of pace duties between DeAndre Washington and Darwin Thompson. I, I again, think that 
someone like Thompson's going to have the advantage because he's been in the system. But it's not like Washington's a rookie. He's a guy who can pick up things pretty quickly and, and really doesn't have to earn as much trust as maybe someone who's not a veteran player. All in all, I expect the Chiefs to carry all four of the running backs. Uh, That's been the magic number in Kansas City lately, and I'm not sure that's going to change in 2020. They they might even carry a a fifth running back on the practice squad just with the expanded roster uh, with 16 players on the practice squad. But yeah, I think four is the magic number. You're looking at Darrell Williams as the number two. DeAndre Washington, Darwin Thompson kind of battling out to see who's going to be that that number three guy, who's going to have the change of pace duties, who's going to be the first man up when someone eventually gets gets injured. Because we know the running back position, they always run into either the ticky-tacky injuries, be it the, you know, the ankle or the hamstring or something that that holds them up or, you know, obviously we've had some serious running back injuries over the years and in recent times that have sidelined some guys. So, you know, if if Clyde gets dinged up at some point, maybe it's DeAndre Washington who steps in. Pat's old running mate from Texas Tech. Maybe it's the second year running back, Darwin Thompson, who says, hey, it's my time to shine. So I, I think they're going to have a full complement of running backs and that these four guys are going to combine to be a pretty impressive unit, probably one of the best and deepest groups in the league. And last, as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Absolutely. One that was a fun write-up for me, I did a listicle of seven rookies that will impress at training camp. Now, if you don't follow me on Twitter, at GoldMCTNFL, by the way, There's some video in this article of one of my favorite undrafted free agents. And you've probably never seen that that video before unless you follow me on Twitter. So uh, be sure to check that out to get kind of an exclusive look at at a couple of guys and some some information that you might not know about a few of them and and why they might be the guys to stand out uh, during the upcoming training camp. Now, we also have a ton of content from the recent press conferences uh, with Chiefs coaches Andy Reid, then some players um, such as DeAndre Washington, Calicio Semele, um, and uh, some of the, the veteran guys there, Charvarius Ward and Frank Clark. We have a recent look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's improved offensive rookie of the year odds. Oh, gosh, what else? Oh, um, we, we have a tracker that is up and it's tracking all of the opt-outs in the AFC West. Uh, there's some interesting names on there, some big names. Uh, the only team that doesn't have any names on there so far, can you guess it? Can you guess it? It's the Los Angeles Chargers, which I find interesting because they're always the team that's the most banged up and injured. So interesting to see that they haven't had any opt-outs yet, or at least as of me recording this <laughs> this audio here. Now, the, the deadline is today at 4 p.m. Eastern time, so uh, check, check that out around that time. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast, and thank you so much for, for taking your time and reading the website every week. We appreciate you guys so much. Go Chiefs! 
For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back and it's that time again. We are here at the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I got Mitch Carney, Talon Graff. Gentlemen, how's it going today? Uh, you know what? Can't complain too much. You know, living in Southern California, the weather's always nice. And, and uh, it's just kind of nice to look outside and see the, see the sunny blue sky and kind of remember that there are still good things happening, even though the world just seems like it's kind of falling apart right now. Yeah, I'm doing good myself. Only about a month away until football season starts, so I'm ready to go. I definitely hear that. And um, just to um, piggyback of what you were saying, Talon, uh, I'm on the East Coast, and we were definitely hit these uh, last day or so with uh, a little bit of a tropical storm, sort of a hurricane, but uh, knocked out some power. So, you know, hopefully everyone that's listening that's on the East Coast, we're hoping that your power's back up. It's been a rough couple, probably a day and a half for most people. So it's this kind of feeds into what you were saying, Talon, the craziness. And Mitch, you know, obviously we're all just trying to get back into football because football makes everything right. That's what we're hoping for right now. Definitely. <laughs> all right. And uh, today's topic uh, is actually a good one. And uh, Mitch, you brought this one up as well. Since training camp is underway, how about we do a top 10 of the players to look out for during training camp? You know, who's going to make the most noise? Who's going to do the most heading into this regular season? So, Mitch, since this is your topic and uh, you came up with it, how about you lead us off with your number 10? Okay, cool. So, to start off, I got Breland Speaks at number 10. Um, I put him in my list to keep an eye out on because um, he's already been considered a bust. Um, he was our first draft pick in 2018. Uh, you know, just was never really been able to get on the field, not able to do much. People are already kind of wanting him to get cut. They're already wanting to move on from him. And he's going to have trouble getting time on the field because he's already behind Taco, behind Frank Clark, behind Alex Okafor. It's going to be hard for him to get on the field. But since this is probably going to be his final year with the Chiefs, if he is on the team, he may even get cut. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he makes any noise. I know he's posted some videos. He's posted some pictures of him working out, getting more healthy. It looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. So I'm excited to see if there's any improvement. But – um, this is going to be his last chance to really make an impact and maybe even be on our roster. So I got him at number 10. At number nine, I got Ricky Seals-Jones, the tight end the Chiefs brought in. Um, I'm really excited to see if he makes any noise during training camp and in the beginning of the season because I know uh, the Chiefs in the past, whenever we had Demetrius Harris a couple seasons ago, uh, we did a lot of tight end two stuffs, and he actually made some pretty big impacts in a couple games, you know. I know everybody got tired of the drops that he would have, but, you know, he did make some pretty big catches. He did have a big part of the offense for a little while. So with Ricky Seals-Jones coming in, this gives Andy Reid another weapon to use and to see, you know, what he can do with two tight end sets or maybe giving Travis Kelsey some rest if there's some injury problems or because Travis Kelsey's always on the field, so maybe he just needs a break. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones is just a really good pass catcher. He's not really a run blocker. But um, with him in there, just gives Patrick Mahomes another option. So I'm excited to see if he can make any impact at all within the offense. At number eight, I got Willie Gay Jr. Um, this is a rookie linebacker the Chiefs got this year. 
he has the opportunity to make an impact right away. Um, the Chiefs have already posted a picture of him making a great uh, pass breakup on the uh, on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I'm excited to see how he progresses throughout training camp. What Steve Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo, and Matt House talk about uh, or say about him as the uh, as training camp goes on and as we get closer to the season, um, I'm expecting him to start day one, where I'm hoping he does. Uh, you know, the way they talked about him whenever they brought whenever they drafted him was that he could be a, he could have been a day one player. He just had some off the field issues. I also think he, uh, yeah, I think was like a cheating scandal he had, and then he also punched his uh, his quarterback. Um, whenever he was at Mississippi State, but I don't think he's going to be punching Patrick Mahomes. So I'm really excited to see what happens with him, um, with him to defense. And then at number seven, I have Juan Thornhill. Right now he's on the uh, on the PUP list, so he actually isn't able to perform right now. So I'm, ex- I'm ready to see, uh, you know, how he comes along with his injury. I don't know if he's going to be ready to start the season, but uh, I know he's training and he's working out and he's getting healthy. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see, um, you know, if he's ready to go when the season starts and, you know, what his progression is from year one to year two. At number six, I got Kalichi Osamelli. Um, I'm really excited for him. Uh, I actually wrote an article about him that came out yesterday that just really talks about how he's ready to win another Super Bowl to cap off his NFL career. It's, I'm really excited for him because, you know, he was a Pro Bowl Pro Bowl offensive lineman for the Raiders two years in a row, won a Super Bowl his rookie year, and he started for the Ravens um, in 2012 when they, or, yeah, in 2012 when they won the Super Bowl. So he, he's a player who can play. He just kind of had a bad going there in, in, uh, with the Jets. So it would be interesting to see him coming in and, uh, you know, if he can have success in Andy Reid's system. I know Andy Reid's been able to take these offensive linemen in low rounds or even undrafted free agents, free agents and make them starters. Well, Osmelli is, you know, he's a, a high – I think he was drafted in the second or third round uh, to the Ravens. And, you know, with that high-level draft talent, um, it will be interesting to see if Andy Reid can, you know, continue his career and make him a really good player. So I got him at number six. Okay. And obviously, you know, just uh, the first five, man. Uh, it's definitely uh, some good names on there. The one that stuck out to me was uh, the rookie Willie Gay Jr., and, you know, the funny thing that you brought up, because, yes, he's going to be looked upon as being, you know, being an impact guy immediately on that defense. I think it's actually a good thing that he has that edge to him. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't want him to punch out Patrick Mahomes. We definitely know that's not going to happen. Yes. But uh, you, want, you want your guy to have that edge, especially a linebacker. You know, I always feel like when you have a guy that is that intense, it, it does yeah. sometimes translate weight, you know, well to the field, right? Yeah, and it, it kind of seems that Brett Veach is building this, you know, that dog mentality on defense. You got Tyron Matthew in the secondary. We got Frank Clark up front, who are both just dogs and kind of, kind of like I'm going to punch you in the face, like kind of uh, attitude. Not that he would actually punch somebody in the face, but you know, they had that attitude definitely on the field. So it's going to be interesting to see how Willie Gay transitions transitions into that with the Chiefs. Um, he's a super athletic linebacker. I'm excited to see him in coverage. It seems like the Chiefs haven't had a really great coverage linebacker since Derek Johnson. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be great to see him be successful right away as a rookie. But I'm expecting a little bit of a learning curve just because how hard it is to play a linebacker in the NFL. Definitely agree with that. All right, let's get to your top five. At number five, I have Taco Charlton. Um, 
this could be the next uh, Emmanuel Agba. Uh, you know, bring in a high level, high high draft pick. Uh, just didn't have success with the teams before coming to Kansas City. Um, I won't be surprised if he makes an impact right away, just like Agba did, and maybe. I don't think he's going to lead the team in sacks like Agba did to start the season, but I do think he's going to make some big plays where he at least has the potential. Um, Steve Spagnuolo's had like him and um, our defensive line coach that came from New England. His name just left my mind. I'm sorry. What was his name? Our defensive line coach. Brendan Daly. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> Brendan Daly's done a great job coaching up these players that maybe didn't have success from other teams. So he could be a five or six sack guy if he has, you know, the uh, physical attributes that, you know, Emilio Ogba had. And, you know, it'd be cool to see. And number four, I, I have number four and number three kind of together because it's going to be interesting to see who comes out top. I have Nicole Hardman and, Demar- and Demarcus Robinson. Those two are going to be fighting for the number three uh, receiver position. Um, I think the edge is going to go to Nicole Hardman. But, uh, you know, Demarcus Robinson's still a really great receiver. He's been in the offense for three or four years now. He knows what to do. He's really good friends with Pat. So it's going to be interesting interesting to see who, uh, who takes the number three position. Because, uh, of course, Tiger Kill is going to be number one. There's no questioning that. And Sammy Watkins is pretty much a lock at number two if he can stay healthy just because how much we're paying him. He's not going to be taken off the field. Just He's getting paid too much money for the Chiefs, the Chiefs not to use him. But uh, I'm excited to see how those two you know, play out and who gets more reps during the training camp and to start the season against the Texans. And number two, I got Charvarius Ward. Charvarius Ward is a uh, – you know, he's our top corner on the team right now. We saw a lot of, uh, a lot of big steps from him from year one to year two. Now going into year three, he's talking about how he wants to be one of the top corners in the league. He wants to be a shutdown corner. Uh, you know, he needs to really step up, step up uh, his ball skills. He needs to be able to make plays on the ball. Um, you know, we saw that near the end of the season. He was able to do that, and you know, he really turned into one of our to one of our better defenders uh, in the secondary. So I'm excited to see what goes on in year three with him if he's able to, you know, really become that shutdown corner. And it's also a contract year for him. So it's just a year for him to ball out and, uh, you know, play his best football. This is the year so he can get paid during the offseason. It'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs try to keep him around just because of how tight cap space is going to be, especially if he does really well. And then at number one, um, after talking last week to you guys uh, about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and how Talon said, hey, you know, maybe we should slow down on him. Um, it really got to me, and I start thinking, and I was like, hey, I'm going to double down. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a rookie of the year. It's going to be lit. He's going to get 1,500 yards, guaranteed. I'm putting it down now. It's going to be the best running back, best rookie in the league. Um, I'm really excited to see what he does. <laughs> With Damian Williams not there, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to get all the touches. Uh, I'm really predicting in the first couple weeks he's going to have some really big games. Andy Reid has success, you know, game planning game planning uh, against teams that he plays early on in the season. And I think we could really see some Kareem Hunt type performances like like Kareem Hunt had against week one against the Patriots whenever he was a rookie. I really think we can see that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay. Um, Mitch, I like how you just said straight up, you're going to double down on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You didn't back down last week. I know Talon's questioning. Maybe it's too soon. And Talon, before I let you go, because I know you're just, you're ready to just pounce on this. 
But um, I do want to say that I, this is the first time I think I've ever heard you say it's going to be lit. So, um, <laughs> bitch, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta commend you for that. I like that. Okay, that's that. That's put it in perspective what we're going to look forward to with Clyde and her lair uh, for this season. So, uh, definitely a great list. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, Tyler. man, I gotta. Yeah, I gotta give my props. First of all, that. Was- Good list. We have a lot of the same players, not necessarily in the same order, but we do share a lot of the same names. Um, and, I, dude, I'm stoked that you're so amped up on, on CEH because I, I, everything you say I, I hope happens. I just don't know if it will. That's, I, I believe in them. I believe in the offense. I just, I, I'm just not 100% sold yet, but I, I, love, I love the enthusiasm, dog. I love it. Um, yeah, so get, uh, getting into my list, my number 10. I have Taco Charlton as well, but I have him in my, in my 10 spot. Um, just kind of piggybacking off of everything Mitch said. This guy is a f- former first-round pick. He's only been in the league a few years. Um, just never really found his spot. You know, with the, the year he was drafted, his rookie year in Dallas, that's the year DeMarcus Lawrence exploded. And, and now he, everybody knows who DeMarcus Lawrence is. Um, that was kind of supposed to be Taco Charlton's spot. So with DeMarcus Lawrence's emergence, his spot in Dallas was gone. And then he got traded to Miami last year. Just didn't fit in their 3-4. Now he's back um, in a 4-3 defense, which is – I think his best spot was his hand in the dirt. So hopefully he can find, you know, that resurgence and kind of that, that second wind of his career. And hopefully he, he has a good spot here in Kansas city. Uh, number nine, I have a quarterback, Jordan Tamu, uh, former Ole Miss quarterback played for the Roughnecks, I believe in the XFL, um, shortened season in the XFL. Um, obviously the big news with, with Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia, uh, scooping up the XFL and, and, keeping that alive but Jordan Tamu come from the ranks of the XFL you know the Chiefs need a backup quarterback Matt Moore and 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 uh and and those kind of guys you know they're they're good backups but they're not going to be around forever we need a young guy to really kind of go hand in hand with with Mahomes I don't think Tamu's ever going to be a starter in this league but can he be a solid career backup a la uh Chase Daniel I think absolutely I think Jordan Tamu could could provide that career backup for Patrick Mahomes uh so something to keep an eye on there Number eight, I have Mike Rimmers, who's a free agent offensive line signing. Um, I think with with the departure of LTD and then the kind of the the unknown of the interior offensive line, Mike Rimmers can can kind of play everywhere. He can play right tackle if needed. We don't need that, but he can. I think he might slide in at one of the guard spots as a starter. I could see that happening. I think he would be a, a solid starter at one of the guard spots with Wiley and um, and those guys providing depth. I think Rimmers can step in and be a starter along our offensive line. At number seven, I have Darwin Thompson, the second-year running back. Uh, you know, he had, a, he had an okay year last year for a six-round rookie. You know, he, he didn't blow anybody away, but he kind of did what everybody thought he was expected to do, um, you know, with the running back by committee kind of thing and the emergence of, of uh, uh, Damian Williams and the season he had. Darwin just wasn't – he he wasn't under the gun to really – perform you know as a big time rookie in his second year in the system with his speed and versatility and you know he's a good pass catcher he's never going to be an every down back he's never going to really be a between the tackles kind of guy but you know if if Reed really wants to keep that RBC type of thing going and I think Darwin Thompson can be dangerous I think he can find a spot in this offense I think he can be someone who steps in in certain situations and, and can be a dangerous threat I think he could be really good on screen passes. He could uh, motion out of the backfield and be a mismatch against certain linebackers, even certain cornerbacks with his speed. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Darwin Thompson does in year two. Uh, number six, I have another running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the, the, the rookie. Um, I have him down just 
not necessarily because I don't expect much of them, um, but just because everybody knows who Clyde Edwards is and, and they know kind of, you know, the pressure of a first-round running back. And, and now he is kind of the guy with, with Damien Williams being gone. So, you know, it, it's something to keep an eye on there to, to see if he can handle that and, and how he does and how he performs and, and if he can handle the pressure of, of all this, you know, coming into this defending Super Bowl champion, this offense that has tons of weapons and, you know, and like Mitch said, man, there are a lot of people that are expecting him to, to be this rookie of the year type of player. You know, I, I want to see if he can handle that. Number five. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know uh, that? There's my first five. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. He's like, I'm not even going to wait for Ed to have any type of thoughts. Go ahead, jump ahead. I like it. <laughs> um, I, my only thought was, uh, you know, Darwin Thompson and having him in your top ten, especially last year. You you kind of gave him a little, you know, you were a little nicer about it in regards to his um, expected production being a six-round running back. But we can't forget that right out of uh, preseason, people were expecting, expecting, expecting him to have a bigger impact on the offense last season. And we barely saw it. We saw, like, little moments where he was in the game here and there. Um, what makes you so optimistic uh, about him this time around? Is it just because Williams not being there or maybe it's because it's the second year in the offense? I think just the second year in the offense and the fact that he's not he's not the only guy. I mean, yeah, there's Clyde Edwards, but there's also Daryl Williams. Uh, there's also DeAndre Washington. There's other guys that can kind of, you know, ease the pressure of him really stepping up big time in a big, tick, in a big, big way. Um, but, you know, give him, give him a chance to learn the offense more. Give him the chance to really kind of acclimate himself to the NFL game. Um, you know, no, no offense to, to Utah State, but this, it's not a big school. They don't, it's not a big-time program. He's not coming from a, an LSU or, a, a, you know, a Texas or an Oklahoma or something like that. He's coming from a, a small, little, smaller program at Utah State. So I think um, just with all those, you know, variables and, and the fact that he, he's not a big guy. You know, he's like 5'8", maybe 200. Um, so I, I think just the fact that he's, he's got to find his spot. He's got to find where he fits, what's, what's his niche in this offense. I think that's the biggest key. I just got to say real quick, Jordan Thompson, as a lifelong Battlehawks fan, he was originally a Battlehawk. Don't, don't take him out. He's a legend in, in St. Louis for me. I like it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Did you just say because you're a lifelong Battlehawk fan? Did you just say lifelong? Yeah, he, said he, said he was a roughneck. He was not a roughneck. He was a Battlehawk. Lifelong, I bleed to blue. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure I, was, I heard that correctly. Okay. That's, that's fair. He's, he's technically not lying. <laughs> he's not. It's just – I just – I did not expect to hear anyone say that they're a lifelong uh, – okay, yeah. <laughs> you got it. You're Challenge. for the Battle Hawks. I'm excited. I hope he makes the roster. I think he's <laughs> – yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good too. But, um, like I said, I didn't know there were many lifelong uh, fans out there like that. I, I like that. Uh, Talon, what's your next five look like? All right. Uh, so my number five, I'm with uh, Clutcher Assembly as well. Uh, another big time player in his in his youth. Prior, he was he was a uh, All Pro. He was a Pro Bowl player for the Raiders. He had a solid career at the Ravens. Really, when you look at his body of work with the Jets, is really last year his his biggest blunder. You know, he dealt with injuries. He just wasn't the player that the Jets had hoped he would be. He you know his career was really short with them. Hopefully, he can he can get back to where he was. And if he can, man, we got a solid guy, you know, for, for a steal uh, and, and a blessing in disguise and, you know, props to LTD for doing what's best for him and his family and, and all that. But if the chiefs find somebody in, in, in assembly, I think that's a, a big blessing in disguise. So 
Uh, really looking forward to seeing what he can do. And then number four, I have Traverius Ward. A lot of things that, that Mitch said I completely agree with. This guy um, looking forward to a big step forward. You know, in 2019, he was good. He was solid. He wasn't the, the number one cornerback that the Chiefs needed. You know, there's other guys that kind of took that away from him or, you know, didn't require Ward to be. But you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what number 35 does in this defense. There's obviously a lot of trust in him. Uh, the fact that the, the front office did not go after a big-time free agent or even go after him in, uh, in the draft too early. Uh, they took Legereus Sneed in the fourth round, I believe. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to Ward and seeing what he can do. I, I really, I really like his game. I like it, what he brings to the table. And I, I really like the pieces around him that he can learn from. Um, and then number three, I have McCole Hardman, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, an, another second year guy that I think is going to make a big stride. Uh, Mitch mentioned that, you know, it's going to kind of be between him and Demarcus Robinson. I do agree with that to, to a point I even I with McCall Hardman and his skill set and his his athletic ability and the fact that he has so much potential I could see him at some point in this season overtake the number two spot from Sammy Watkins I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to be around after this year um I didn't think he was going to be around in 2019 but with the restructuring and all that I'm you know he's going to be here and I'm, I'm thrilled to death to see number 14 one, at least one more year in the Chiefs offense but I do think Hardman is the future I do think he's going to um, have a big year too and I do think eventually he might take away that number two spot from Sammy Watkins some point in the regular season um, so keep an eye on that and then number two I have Juan Thornhill coming off an injury uh, you know, it's never an easy thing to do and if, as, uh, as Mitch mentioned Starting out on the pup list, you know, he's, he's not on the field quite yet, but hopefully he can get on there and, and, and be healthy and, and really overcome the adversity of the injury. And, you know, it's, it's a big thing. He had a big rookie year. We've talked about a lot on the show, and I'm really looking forward to, to that tandem, Matthew and Thornhill. I, I really love it. I really hopefully that, that safety tandem can do a lot for that defense in 2020. I'm looking forward to Thornhill coming back healthy. And then in my number one, uh, I have a rookie, Lucas Nyang, uh, the, the rookie offensive lineman from TCU that, that the Chiefs napped up. Man, I, I'm really excited. This is probably the, the draft pick I'm most excited about. I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's going to be fine. But this Lucas Nyang, I think he's the one that's really going to kind of emerge and be be the the gem of this draft class. I think Willie Gay is going to be good. I think he's going to be great for that defense. Um, but Lucas Nyang, his versatility, he's so big. He can play he could probably play left side or right side tackle. He could step in at guard. Uh, the only place I probably wouldn't want him is center. I just think with his talent, it'd be wasted at center. I think there's other guys that we could put there, but I think he could play either guard. He could play either tackle. I think he's just going to be that guy that we could plug and play in those four spots and, and, and be fine. I, I, I love guys like that along the offensive line. He's a nasty guy. I love, love this tape coming out of college. Um, I think it's a steal that we got him when we did in the draft. And I think this guy could be a day one starter, depending on what Osimile and what Remmers does. Um, you know, depending on those guys, those veterans, I think, I think Niang is going to be nipping on their heels for that starting spot. I could definitely see that. I mean, the way the Chiefs have put together this offensive line, uh, obviously dealing with the different changes that have been coming, you know, because of op opting out and, and uh, anything else like injuries, for for example, there's a lot of good depth on the offensive line. And uh, Niang could be a special player. And uh, I think the number one key for him is just keeping him on the field, making sure he stays healthy because, uh, you know, we, we always we, – we tend to forget, and I know we, we kind of just, like, put it to the side, but there's still a lot of worry regarding this pandemic and how all these players are going to be affected moving forward because of the opt-out clause and 
it could be any other. It could be like next week. Somebody else could just say they're going to opt out. So it's things like this uh, we got to think about during training camp. I know it, it kind of sucks, but it's the new normal right now. And uh, having depth at every position is extremely important. So just uh, the reason why I'm bringing that up, and you had brought up Jordan Tamamu and, and what he could be as a backup quarterback. How important now is the backup quarterback in the NFL, considering we are living in a time of COVID-19? And I just want to get your guys' opinions on that real quick. Uh, Mitch, what do you think? I mean, yeah, it's super important, especially at backup quarterback. I mean, it was important last season. You know, Mahomes went down for a couple games, and, you know, we needed a quarterback. Luckily, we were, we were able to get Matt Moore, and he was able to get the job done. Um, and it's a completely different this year. For some, for some reason, if Mahomes gets COVID and he has to miss some time, we need a quarterback that can come in and win right away. So it's super important. Hopefully, Tomu is able to be that guy. If not, we still have Matt Moore. We still have Chad Denny, you know. I don't want to say I love love one of those guys to come in, you know, for my homes, but I feel comfortable with what we got right now if for some reason they had to come in for him. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, the backup quarterback has always kind of been important, but but as you mentioned, Ed, in today's NFL and with everything going on in the world uh, with, with COVID, absolutely, yeah. If your starting quarterback gets, you know, somehow test positive and has to quarantine for however long. Yeah. You, you got to have a solid backup to step in and, and make sure that you, you know, the, the team doesn't lose any ground. So hundred percent it's, it's probably more important now than ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really different world. And, you know, that was the first thing I thought about. I'm like, you can't just look at training camp as, Oh, maybe I'll just hold on to two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks. And you know, this limited number of running backs is going to be a separate list for COVID-19. Uh, there's, there's so many things, but, uh, just that, like I said, I didn't want to, you know, bring down the whole uh, mood here, but it was just something to think about in regards to training camp. And uh, the, the list you guys put together, really, really nice list. I, I like the way you guys broke it down. There were some differences here and there. Um, I'm going to do this before we close it out. Mitch, I want your real quick thoughts on Talon's list. And in Talon, I want you to do the same thing for Mitch's list. So, Mitch, you go first. Yeah, he, uh, you definitely put some – players in there I didn't think about. I almost put Lucas Nian in there, but just as a rookie and with some of the people we brought in, I'm expecting him to be a little bit of a backup. If he comes in and becomes a starter right away, I'm going to be super excited, but I'm just expecting him to sit the bench a little bit. Um, On Darwin Thompson, I think you're a little higher on him than I am. I don't think he's going to make an impact at all. I think he's going to be a special teams player. I just don't see him making much impact on the offense, especially with, you know, we have skilled players all over the field. I'd hate to have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire lose snaps to Darwin Thompson just because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a better athlete. Um, I believe he's a better running back. I believe he's better running the ball. I believe he's better at catching the ball. Um, and I don't think they're going to take snaps away from Nicole Hardman or get the ball away from Nicole Hardman, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, just to give Darwin Thompson the ball, who, who is just a mediocre player in my opinion. Um, those are my only two things I, uh, I, I got to say about his list though. Yeah, definitely respect that. And I can, I can see where it comes from with Darwin. I just, I know, you know, and I might be a little biased cause I, you know, I coach running backs at, out here in Orange County and I've, you know, I've always been a fan of running backs. I, I don't know. I love, I love the thought of having multiple weapons in the backfield. I like, you know, even if we went sp- if the Chiefs went split backfield with CEH and then Darwin Thompson. I, I just think Darwin Thompson brings a lot of different things to the table than CEH does. CEH is – there's no argument. He's a better athlete. He's a better football player and all that. You're, you're 100% right. I, just, I think Darwin Thompson can be situationally great. Um, but other than that, yeah, 100% respect your opinion, and, and I, I love the feedback. And uh, with your list, I, I 
I, I almost had Ricky Seals Jones on mine. I was, I was going back and forth between him and Taco. Um, I'm so thrilled to death with that signing. I really like Ricky Seals Jones. Would be a solid backup, solid uh, understudy to Travis Kelsey. I, I do think you know Dion Yelder brings a little bit of different vibe. I think Ricky Seals Jones can provide um, a, a pass catching threat in this offense I think he's going to do probably score two to three touchdowns this season if he stays healthy I'm really looking forward to that I love that that he was on your list um and other than that uh, Breland Speaks that was another one that I that I darn near I was this close to having him on my list as well um but I just I'm not high on him I don't think he's fit I, I don't think he's a fit I just don't see where he fits in this offense he's he's not a defensive tackle he's not a pass rushing DN he can maybe be a run stuffing DN um but I just you know the, making the switch from a three four to a four three, I just I just don't see it with Breland. Um, if he can find a spot and he could be productive, I I think it'd be great to keep him around since he was a second round pick and and you know we 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 spent such a high pick on him. I would love to see him stick around, but I just I just don't see it. But other than that, I love the list. Um, we did have a lot of a lot of crossover, and I love that that we see a lot of the same way. But yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, and I totally agree with you about Breland speaks. I just thought it would be interesting to put him him in. Just- because this is his last chance to really be a part of the Chiefs team. And to be honest, I'm not going to be surprised if he gets cut before the beginning of the season. So this is really, you know, this training camp, and, you know, it's going to be his last chance to make the Chiefs and maybe even an NFL roster, but just how, with, with how poorly he's done so far in the league. For sure, yeah. I definitely hear that. And I, like I said, guys, great lists. We're looking forward to seeing – more stuff out of training camp is going to be a little harder now, not having a preseason game to really gauge it against. We're going to be hearing cuts happen uh, every week, and uh, we're not going to have much video footage to judge for ourselves. We're just going to go based off of uh, what the Chiefs personnel and um, front office felt like was the best decision. So that's going to be a a different twist to training camp this year. But uh, either way, we're excited, and um, let's see what happens. So uh, for Coach Talon Graff and for the longest – longest reigning fan of the St. Louis um, Battle Hawks. <laughs> I, I just, I had to, man. <laughs> Dude, they were so, I love the XFL. It was so good. So disappointed it went under. Oh, it was so great. Hey, you, do, you, do you think, do you think the Rock is going to, and Danny Garcia, do you think they're going to make it, make it exciting again? You know, I really think he, I think if anybody can get that league going again and, you know, keep it successful, it's got to be the Rock. I mean, you know, an WWE legend, um, a movie star, just everybody knows him, a millionaire. If anybody can get that league going, it's definitely him. I'm super pumped. I hope they keep the Battle Hawks, though. I got to have my Battle Hawks every year. <laughs> well, uh, I've heard different things. I've heard that they want to use this as a, um, sort of as a model for doing the whole bubble thing because they want to do a, a, a bubble season. So that's the rumor out there. But uh, let's see. You know, I don't know. We don't know what the future is going to be. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's block. He's, come on, the guy's a, a blockbuster uh, movie star. You know, he's going to bring some type of attention. So former football player, Miami Hurricane. So he, he has the credentials. You know, he talked about it on his uh, TV show, Ballers. This is basically everything from Ballers if you ever watched the show. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Didn't he buy the that show? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was trying to buy the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the whole tie-in. So it's like I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hey, what can I say? You know. Um, <laughs> until next week, guys. Talon, Mitch, take care. Right, you guys stay safe.
wonderful offseason. Um, you know, kind of untraditional with everything that's been going on, you know, with the COVID and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just try to stay focused, as focused as possible. Um, you know, I may close a lot of gyms and stuff where I was at, where I trained out in Los Angeles. But, you know, was able to do a lot of um, good things still and, you know, focus on training, just a lot more time to spend with my family and, you know, with people who I hadn't necessarily, you know, had time to catch up with over the years. Um, you know, a lot more time to handle some business and stuff like that. You know, we had played a lot of football, you know, winning the Super Bowl. So a lot of the, you know, that extra time to focus on some of the stuff off the field. So, um, you know, that was the dopest part about the offseason. Let's go to Bob Fesco. Go ahead, Bob. Hey, Frank, I just want to kind of know, as, as you're one of the team leaders out there, what, what's the, like, the ability for you guys to hold everybody accountable for doing the right things away from the facility, seeing what, you know, the Hunt family and everybody invested in to you guys to have the facility up and running the way it is for the COVID stuff? Oh, man, you know, shouts out to them because, I mean, we walk around, you guys haven't really been able to see, but um, we walk around and they've done a magnificent job, you know, from the top to the bottom, you know, and just every day, you know, providing us with a safe, and, um, you know, a safe and energetic, you know, um, learning community, basically, you know, for us to come in and be able to, you know, sit in class and sit in, um, you know, go on the field and be able to produce and practice in the safe, you know, and, uh, you know, community. And I feel like that's been most important. You know, there's been so many questions about, you know, the safety of our players, safety of the coaches, you know, us having to go home and stuff. And I, I just, you know, feel like, you know, everybody over here in our building, they just done an excellent job and, you know, providing us with a, you know, like I said, a safe community for us to work in. Let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, what's up, Frank? Um, good. Um, I wonder if you could backtrack a little bit to 12 months ago. You know, you had come in, you hadn't played for the Chiefs yet, you had signed a big contract. Um, so I'm wondering about the mental aspect that maybe it's different this year, if maybe it's a little bit more relaxed. And then also physically, I mean, it was around this time or maybe a couple of weeks later that you started dealing with that pinched nerve. So um, just if you could compare the, the, the mental and physical aspects of what you're feeling right now compared to this time last year. Um, man, I feel excellent. Um, you know, of course, you, you're going to go through stuff. Being a football player, you always feel a little nicks and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not feeling that pinched nerve, and I feel like that's the most important thing right now for me. You know, I had a slow start last year. You know, I wouldn't say – you know, I'm always played though. I don't give excuses. I really don't care about excuses and stuff like that. But I had a slow start. And I had some things hold me back. And um, you know, I was so adamant about getting back. If you was around me at all last year, if you spent some time in that locker room as, um, you know, one of the media guys, um, you know how adamant I was about just getting back and how much I wanted to heal up as fast as I could and, you know, try to do some things faster than what God, you know, had to plan for us. So, but, you know, things came around when it, when it did, you know, and it, you know, I'll stay focused on treatment. You know, shout out to, you know, our treatment room. They do an excellent job of, you know, like I said, getting us back out on that field. And um, But, you know, the other part is your part. You got to be at treatment. You got to focus. You got to, you know, take it all in, understand what they're trying to do to get you back. And uh, that's all I did. I bought into what they were telling. You know, you got to trust your, your trainers at some point and understand they want the best for you. And I did that. And I was able to get back out there and help my team win the Super Bowl. Honestly, Taco is a fun, energetic type of guy to be around. But um, going off what you at first asked, you know, it's just with me and Tyron and, you know, some of the other guys who got hit, you got, you know, it's a host of guys, you know, who are um, leaders on that defensive side. But, you know, me and Tyron, the main thing is, man, just staying in tune with each other. You know, I feel like that's the biggest thing that happens when guys have success. Guys go win the Super Bowl, you know, um, you got Prima Donna's, you got this guy wanting to go off and do this, you got – 
different guys coming to work with different mindsets. They're not focused on the one goal, and that's to win the championship. And um, I feel like that's where our strength is, you know, and we haven't wavered from that. It's having that short memory. Um, yeah, we won the Super Bowl last year, but that was last year. You know, some guys get, you know, cocky. They, they love that feeling. They love the emotions of winning it and, and carry that on the next year, and they don't really do shit for them, you know, on the field. For, um, you know, for this year, you know, um, honestly, us being champions last year, nobody cares about that. I know our coach don't care about that. You know, that's all fun. You know, that's nice. You know, it's pretty nice. It's cute and all, but, you know, we got um, stuff to do this year and um, holding a set of goals. Um, we got to win the AFC championship, and that's where it starts. Let's go to Matt McMullen. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Frank. Kind of a similar question, actually, but you guys were the best NFL, best defense in the NFL from week 11 basically through the end of the year. With guys like you and Tyron and the leaders you have on this team, what gives you confidence you guys can be the best defense in the NFL to start this season? And just our, our ability to um, work and practice, I feel, I feel like that's where we beat every team. Um, can't give them too much, but, uh, I mean, you guys know, we out there flying around, having fun, um, and challenging each other. I feel like it's a lot of competition. You know, when you got guys that's um, coming into work day in, day out, whether it's pushing you to – be the best at your position or be the best on defense or be the best you can be offensively or be the best teammates you can be for the guys who are not playing necessarily. You know, those guys' roles are just as important as, you know, the guys out there running around on the field. You know, I couldn't run around on the field, you know, and do what I do if I didn't have my boys on the sideline or those guys who I'm in practice working hard with every day. If I didn't have those guys pushing me to be better than what I am. When you, when I, when you start asking questions about me and Chris, I get kind of, I get, um, I, get, I get a nice smile come over my face, I guess, because that's my dog. You know, I'm so happy he got paid and stuff. He was able to come back, you know, with all those type of things. But just so happy, man. And, um, you know, with Chris, you know, he's a smart player. You know, he's so fun to be around, you know, off the field and even on the field. But he's such a smart player. And he seems like he just gets better and better. You know, I remember watching film on Chris when, you know, I was a younger player, probably, what, three or whatever. And he was he just a year behind me, really. And um, watching them, and I'm like, wow, who's this young guy? You know what I mean? You're a beast. And, uh, you know, finally getting the chance to get out here, get um, acclimated with the system and to be able to play with them. You know, um, last year was just – it was great. And now, you know, us, we talk all the time. And um, we look at each other and we understand, you know, what's asked of us. We understand the type of pressure that, that's put on players like us. But, um, you know, we embrace it too. You know, it's all fun. It's fun. Like I tell him, you know, have fun with it. You know, don't let it stress you out too much. And uh, he told me the same, like, we're going to be the best, you know, um, two defensive linemen ever to play the game together. And that's one of the things we always talk about, you know. We got, you know, a few years to be something great. You know, just the reality of the game. You know, you got a few years in that window to, to do something great and be the greatest you can be at doing it. And uh, why not do it? And um, to piggyback on your other answer, just about with the, um, the defense. You know, we just constantly just stand fresh, man. You, you buy in the pressures and stuff. Pressure's nice. You know, I love four-man pass rushes, though. You know, I tell my linebackers they can drop back there and get off the way. They be in the way sometimes. Well, the biggest thing from what I understand as, a, you know, being younger and the more time I was playing in the preseason is just the development part. I feel like that's a huge, um, you know, development period that the rookies are going to miss. You know, I was telling someone today, like, man, it's kind of going to be untraditional this year because – you know, y'all missing a huge part of the game, and that was that. Really, it's that after you get drafted, it's that first acclimation period, of, you know, introducing them to the NFL, then you got to go to the training camp and stuff like that. Like, they missed a lot of it. 
So it's like y'all got to really understand that y'all work is going to come from practice. It's going to come from training camp. It's going to come from really locking in and understanding understanding this film because y'all not going to have an acclimation period like the preseason where it's, you know, quote, unquote, you know, every the, the, the competition level is the same. And, you know what I mean? Going right into the fire, basically. You know, you're going to a league where you got a, a 12-year pro, all pro, who you might be going against, and you got to be ready for them. Just simple as put. I mean, I, I first got in the league, I had to be prepared for Trent Williams, Jason Peters, and all these type of dudes all within the first four or five weeks of my season. I'm just looking at myself like, wow, that's going to be a long year. You know, I understood that. But you embrace it, you know, tell them simply, welcome to the brotherhood. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.